Thanks for tuning in. I'm Shelby. I'm Renee. And you're listening to The Creepy Burrito. Welcome back, fellow Buridae. If you tuned in last week, you heard all that Renee had to talk about with the Mothman. But Mothman isn't the only mysterious creature in the sky. On this week's episode, we're doing another installment of my favorite, Behind the Horror. Any good? What does it mean? Every 23rd spring, for 23 days, he gets to eat. Eat. You know what it eats, and don't you make me tell you. You think I like having this in my head? Well, I don't. I don't like knowing this and not knowing why I do. You said it eats? Only certain things from certain people. Just get away from the dairy. It eats gums so we can breathe. And eyes so we can see. It all becomes a part of it. Whatever it eats becomes a part of it. Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those eyes? So, <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. How do you like that? You, you did a really good job. Thank you. Yeah. I do my best. It's a catchy little jingle. And fun fact, the name of the movie actually did come from the song Jeepers, Creepers that had originated in the 1930s. The phrase Jeeper Creepers was a euphemism for Jesus Christ. Interesting. You're welcome. Fun facts. Wow. I'm here. I'm living for them. Jeepers Creepers. But if you haven't already guessed it, today we're talking about Jeepers Creepers. If you don't know what in the bananas I'm talking about. <laughs> That's and good. also, why are you listening to Behind the Horror <laughs> if you don't know what Jeepers Creepers is? Very good questions. Are you living under a rock? Maybe in a cave? Are you hibernating for 23 years? And you only awake to feed for 23 days? That sounds like a cicada. (laughs) You know that sound that they make? It's not bad. (laughs) It's like, it's their flapping wings. They're like, (laughs) oh, (laughs) yikes. (laughs) I'm sorry. I think that cicadas, don't cicadas just scream? They're just like, that might be better it's like a vibrating sound yeah yeah i didn't do that yeah you went (laughs) it is it's like a i can't it sounded like somebody stepping on a cicada oh while it was trying to fly away well did my best Eh. jeepers creepers was written and directed by victor salva and the executive producer was francis ford coppola if you do not know who that is 
He's a big boy. He's a big boy. He brought you The Godfather and directed The Outsiders. Just, you know, some of the little just to name masterpieces. A few. Name drop a few. When Jeepers Creepers was released in 2001, it set the record for the largest Labor Day box office ever and broke that record again in 2003 with another Labor Day release of Jeepers Creepers 2. Which was not that great. No. (laughs) Just going to give you a heads up. If you haven't seen it, don't waste your time. If Justin Long's not in it, it's not worth it. Oh, I love Justin Long. Fun fact about Justin Long. So the reason why the director, Victor Salva, was interested in casting Justin Long is because he was impressed with his performance in Galaxy Quest. No way. Oh, I love love Galaxy Galaxy Quest. Can we do a behind the horror on Galaxy Quest, even though it's not a real thing? There's no horror. We'll do it, our own just... science fiction version. <gasps> behind <laughs> the science. My <laughs> <laughs> Grapfus Hammer, you shall be avenged. Mm, never give up. Mm, never, never surrender. <laughs> if you ever wonder, like, where all of my, like, weird voices come from basically just it, going to galaxy it all quest. stems back from galaxy quest it sure does We're you just have not seen galaxy quest go watch see it, it immediately watch it now yeah. actually just pause this episode and go watch galaxy <laughs> stop quest. doing what it's you're great. doing it's got tim allen in it it's got alan rickman in it it's got sigourney weaver in it what more do you want from a movie honestly nothing it's prime the it's beautiful. triple Triple. Twipple. The Twipple Twio. <laughs> it's a Twipple Twitch. <laughs> I hate myself for doing that. I know we're talking about Jeepers Creepers today, but <clears throat> go watch Galaxy Quest. So what actually landed Justin Long, the part of Derry and Jeepers Creepers, is because Victor Salva, he knew that Justin would appear funny or genuinely frightened. <laughs> Because he had, like, that it's innocence so factor, though. And you look at his little face, and you just want to squish it. But, yeah, so anything after Jeepers Creepers, you know, the first one. Once you lose Justin Long, you kind of lose me. Yeah. Like, a little bit. It's my um, life motto. <laughs> there was also a Jeepers Creepers 3, three. That, that was released in 2017. But it had little success due to a lot of reasons. Um, we will get into that later okay and besides the fact that the second movie sucked and disappointed most most horror fans me also included in that because it was trash so the first part of jeepers creepers that we are going to dissect today Mm. is the diabolic creature known as the creeper the creeper awakes from hibernation for 23 days every 23rd spring to feed on humans and replenish what it needs to survive. The creeper does show signs that he has preferences of who he's going to get what from because he doesn't like simply murder everyone that comes in his path or his way. Once he locks in on a target, he's not going to let off of that person until he gets what he wants from them. And don't worry, he doesn't let the rest of the body go to waste. He'll do some, like, DIY crafts. You can see that in his little cell. He makes some, you know, lamps. He makes weapons. You see some of that in um, Jeepers Creepers, too, with the the little, like, star-throwing thing. And it has the rose 
tattooed belly button from Dairy and Jeepers Creepers 1. If you didn't put those together, Shelby did it for you. But yeah, you know, you don't let that body go to waste. You gotta use it on some crafty shit. Yeah. To disguise his beastly looks, he wears a tattered black trench coat and a hat because, you know, that's what everyone wears. And driving a rusty old delivery truck with a license plate of beating you. Because the director, he was kind of playing around with the idea of, maybe the creeper should be humorous. How much humor should he have? Like, haha, beating you. <laughs> Spelled B-E-A-T-N-G-U. Although he might be a Frankenstein out of multiple human pieces, there are some very distinguishable traits that we do not have. Like dark green reptilian skin, Mm -hmm. yellow fangs to better tear apart the flesh of his victims. And in the second movie, he apparently lost his boots and reveals that he had bird-like talon feet to better grab people with and swoop them up. Who doesn't? And accompanied by huge-ass bat pterodactyl wings. wings. And he also had an extra nostril to smell fear that located where his next organ donation was coming from. And around the top of his head are those, like, spider-leg claw alien-esque appendages that are connected with, like, that membrane webbing. We'll be posting pictures if what I'm saying doesn't make any fucking sense. But if you piss them off, they pop out and, like, spread out. And it reminds me of, like, the neck frill in Jurassic Park when the, um, Dilophosaurus... Oh, I like the one that spits Newman from Seinfeld in the face. Yes! (laughs) That's exactly what pops into my brain, like, as soon as I see that. But anyways, so there's this, like, one theory, like, related to this claw membrane spider leg neck frill thing, whatever you want to call it. Okay. But um, this theory is, like, sick as fuck. That the actual creeper isn't the full body itself, but it's the claw membrane that holds it all together because in Jeepers Creepers 2, when he gets hit in the head and he has to like rip off his own head and replaces it, that claw and like webbing is still there and it like reattaches to the new head. Mm. So, which leads to the conclusion that the creeper is actually a parasite or like a, a symbiont that requires a host or a body to function and feed off of. Yeah, like the uh, face suckers from Alien. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of like what it looks like. It's like, like the too. same thing almost, yeah. Yeah. Kind of gross. Kind of cool. Yeah. I kind of dug it. Yeah. I was like, hell yeah. I can get it. 10 out of 10. Dig it. Now, jumping into. The Jeepers Creepers comic books. Yeah, that's a thing. Mm. In case you didn't know. No, I did not know that, actually. It's real. But um, the comic books, they reveal the Creeper is actually a part of a mix of, like, ancient cultures. It all follows this character named Devin, who is basically, like, hunting the hunter, tracking down the Creeper, trying to figure out who he is, what he is, like, where he's from, blah, blah, blah. Where did he go? Cotton Eye Joe. So it goes through these, like, backstories. So... The creeper participated in, like, human sacrifice during the time of the Aztecs and that it was responsible for the infamous disappearance of the settlers from America's Roanoke colony in the late 1500s. And then full fucking circle with hitting up Centralia in 1962. Kind of, like, detours from what the actual history is, but saying that there's an ancient crypt within the walls and the creeper goes down there and engulfs the walls in flames and the whole city is, like, condemned. Right. Which is, like, 
pretty cool. Pretty cool. And if you don't know what Centralia is or what the history is, uh, go back to our that, that episode, that sweet-ass, tasty burrito I gave you. It was number two. Number two. Probably the, bad in comparison to where <laughs> we are now. Probably sounds like shit. <laughs> but also, it was kind of like a behind the whore, too. It's kind of where it all started. Yeah, so actually, yeah. That take was a like, little walk down memory lane. Yeah, that's like uh, the OG of behind the whore. Before behind the whore. Right. So back to Jeepers Creepers and the director's commentary for the Jeepers Creepers DVD. He had mentioned some of the inspiration for the creeper is from the urban legend of the Spring-Heeled Jack. This was a popular urban legend during the Victorian area. It was first sprouting its ugly head in 1837. The Spring-Heeled Jack had devilish features such as clawed hands, some claimed were sharp metal claws, eyes that looked like red balls of fire, and in a black cloak, helmet, and tight-fitting white garment like an oilskin. An oilskin is like a waterproof jacket. Mm. Some encounters even stated that he would breathe out blue and white flames. Metal as fuck on the metal radar scale, of which... I uphold my whole entire life. Yeah. Metal radar. How metal are you? If you're not metal, get out. Get out of the pit. <laughs> I want to see this metal blow. That was better than mine. Thank you. And some accounts said that he could even speak English pretty proficiently. Oh. He's a scholar. And um, in Jeepers Creepers, they did toy around with the idea that the creeper could speak speak because there was a deleted scene in the first one uh where he had lines but they ended up taking it out so if you had the dvd then you could see that part but the director ended up removing it for like dramatic effect that it would be more frightening like if he didn't say anything at all and yeah adds that mysterious factor yeah even being able to see the creeper in the movie as much as you did a lot of people try to deter him from doing that um, oh, to make him like this um, ominous. More ominous yeah. of a creature if you don't see him. But gotcha. he kind of said fuck you and yeah. still put as much of the creature in the movie that he wanted. But also, even though he doesn't speak in the movie, you can still hear the creeper whistling Jeepers Creepers. As well as in the third movie, whistling a different song called Farmer in the Bell. So, intriguing. Mm-hmm. Bitch ain't got nothing to say, but he'll whistle his ass off means he's got teeth and a tongue <laughs> he's got you have teeth he can taste he can eat he's got lips he can whistle he's got all the requirements to whistle <laughs> but back to the spring Hill jack inspiration the spring Hill jack was a supernatural creature that was said to prowl victorian england at night in October of 1837, Mary Stevens was walking from visiting her parents to Lavender Hill, where she worked as a servant, when a strange figure appeared, leaping from a dark valley. Immobilizing her with his tight grip, began kissing her face while ripping off her clothes and touching her flesh with his claws that she described as cold and clammy as those of a corpse. Mary let out a scream as the attacker quickly fleed from the scene. Several townspeople came to our rescue, but this attacker could not be found. The very next day, not too far from where Mary Stevens' home was, more chaos ensued. The attacker had jumped in the way of a passing carriage, causing the coachman to lose control, crash, 
and was severely injured. Witnesses claim that he had escaped by jumping over a nine-foot-high wall while cackling with a high-pitched ringing laughter. So, like, <laughs> like it's a me, it's a Luigi, yeah. oh and like God. jumping thing. That's like all that I picture. So you're welcome for creating this why villain you, in your why, head. Why did you pick Luigi? I don't know. Why not Lario? Oh, that makes sense. They're basically the same. No. Kind of. No. They look the same to me. I didn't Negative. really play video games. I played Pac-Man. That's about it. But as the news of these encounters had spread, the press and public had given him the name The Spring-Heeled Jack. A few months following these attacks, it was actually addressed in a public session in January of 1838 by Lord Mayor of London, Sir John Cohen, after he had received an anonymous complaint, stating, It appears that some individuals have laid a wager with a mischievous and full-heartedly companion, that he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting many of the villages near London in three different disguises, a ghost, a bear, and a devil, and moreover, that he will not enter a gentleman's gardens for the purpose of alarming the inmates of the house. The wager was, however, been accepted, and the unmainly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses, two of whom are not likely to recover, but to become burdens to their families. At one house, the man rang the bell, and on the servant coming to open the door, this worse-than-brute stood no less dreadful figure than the spectre clad most perfectly. The consequence was that the poor girl immediately swooned, and as never from that moment had been to her senses. The affair has now been going on for some time, and strange to say, the papers are still silent on the subject. The writer has reason to believe that they have the whole history at their finger ends, but through interested motives, are induced to remain silent. So following this being addressed in the public session, it became hot press in the Times, and soon the Lord Mayor was overflowing with letters from all over London with similar wicked pranks and dreadful stories of ghosts or devilish creatures. Sir John was skeptical that such a creature could exist, and that they were just exaggerations, but on the other hand, believed stories from those that he had trusted, that there was someone out there that was terrorizing people, and that it had to be stopped. Police were put on the lookout for this attacker, and also put out a reward. One of the most popular alleged incidents with the Spring Hill Jack was the attack on Jane Alsop. On February 19th of 1838, she answered the door of her father's house to a man claiming to be a police officer, who told her to bring a light, claiming, We have caught the Spring Hill Jack here in the lane. She brought a candle and noticed that he wore a large cloak. When she handed him the candle, he threw the cloak off and presented a most hideous and frightful appearance, vomiting blue and white flames from his mouth while his eyes resembled red balls of fire. Goodness gracious. <laughs> were they great balls of fire? I mean, I guess they were. So basically, he flashed her because he was naked under there. So he flashed her and then vomited. <laughs> and just vomited flames, <laughs> straight flames from his mouth while he had flames in his eyes. Nah. As he clings onto her, tearing her clothes, she lets out a scream for help. 
She was able to break free from his hold and bolted towards the house. He chased her down onto the steps and tore her neck and arms with his metal claws. Jane was rescued by one of her sisters, and the attacker went fleeing off into the night. The story of this attack was posted in the Times on March 2nd of 1838. After it hit the newsstand, a Thomas Milbank was going around boasting that he was this spring Jack that had attacked Jane Alsop. Thomas Milbank was arrested and then put on trial. He had been wearing white overalls and a large overcoat or like a trench coat, if you're mm. comparing to uh, the creeper, which Thomas had dropped outside of the house, found next to the candle that he had dropped. The only way that he was able to escape the conviction was because Jane Alsop had insisted that her attacker could breathe fire and Milbank admitted he could do no such of a thing. No shit. Yeah. So that's the only reason like he got let go for being a fucking creep that tried to like basically like assault her in front of her own home. Skeptics had dismissed these tales of the Spring Hill Jacked as mass hysteria, which developed by stories of the boogeyman or the devil, which was like common at the time. Others don't consider the Spring Hill Jack to be a supernatural creature, but one or more people with a macabre sense of humor just going around terrorizing people. Yeah. Now, the director, Victor Salva, has said the storyline of Jeepers Creepers is complete fiction, but... The movie's first 20 minutes bear a striking resemblance to a 1991 episode of Unsolved Mysteries, centering on the case of Dennis DePew, a Michigan man who killed his wife in 1990 and dumped her body behind an abandoned school. Though they never credit the case of Dennis DePew as inspiration for Jeepers Creepers or that scene in Jeepers Creepers, it would make sense that it was either conscious or a a subconscious decision that it made its way into the movie because Francis Ford Coppola, the executive producer, is from Detroit, Michigan. So whether he just saw the case on the news or watched Unsolved Mysteries, he might have just baked its way into the movie. Dennis DePew was a property assessor, and Marilyn was a Coldwater High School guidance counselor. They had been married for 18 years and raised three children together. Their relationship was described as pretty rocky. Dennis was withdrawn and accused Marilyn of turning their children against him. Marilyn told her friends and family that she was unhappy in the marriage and that he was controlling and he wouldn't let her make her own decisions. In 1989, she had filed for divorce against his wishes. After the divorce was finalized in December of 1989, he was granted bi-weekly visitation rights, but the children were often reluctant to spend any time with him. He was also given access to a guest house, which he used as an office for work. However, she believed that he just used it as an excuse to keep control over the family and watch over them. Marilyn later changed the locks and doors to the house, but he still managed to find a way to enter into the home. Creepy. Very scary. Yep. Like, how would you feel if you just are going through this divorce and then he's still every day at your house, like going into a guest house, but that's still close enough to not be chill? Yeah. Not copacetic. No. But don't worry. It will get worse. Great. 
On Easter Sunday, April 15th of 1990, Dennis arrived at the home to pick up two of the children. His daughter, Julie, had already refused to go with him, and when he went inside, their son, Scott, was reluctant to leave. When Marilyn tried to talk to him, he became angry and started yelling at her. He then grabbed her, pushed her down the stairs, and at the bottom, he continued to beat her, even after the children were there pleading, begging him to stop. The oldest daughter, Jennifer, ran over to the neighbor's house to call the police, and then Dennis carried seriously injured Marilyn back up the stairs. He told the children that he was taking her to the hospital. However, they never had arrived. An immediate and widespread search began for them. Later that afternoon, Ray and Marie Thornton were going on a Sunday drive on Snow Perry Road near Clearwater when a speeding van passed them. They noticed the license plate began with the letters GZ, but didn't pay much attention to it until a few minutes later, as they passed an abandoned school. Marie noticed that the driver was carrying a bloody sheet behind it. Minutes later, the van pulled up behind them and rode their bumper for several miles. Finally, Ray turned off the highway. They noticed the van pulled off to the side of the road. They turned around and noticed the driver was changing the license plate and also noticed blood on the passenger side door. Very suspicious. Very suspicious. (laughs) Very yikes. They decided to return to the school that they had passed, where they had found the bloody sheet in an animal hole, just like shoved right in. Kind of like in Jeepers Creepers, where they're just seeing the creeper like toss this fucking body bag down that hole. After they contacted the police, they learned that the man they had seen was, in fact, Dennis. The tire tracks at the school did match his van, as well as the blood on the sheet was Marilyn's. Based on the evidence that they had, it appeared that he had killed her. However, it wasn't confirmed until the following day, when highway workers discovered her body near a deserted road. She had been shot twice in the back of the head. A few days later, Dennis sent several bizarre rambling letters to friends and family where he had tried to justify Marilyn's death. Altogether, he sent a total of 17 letters out that were postmarked in Virginia, Iowa, and Oklahoma. After this, the Unsolved Mysteries episode aired on March 20th of 1991, nearly a year after killing his wife on Easter Sunday. At this point, he wasn't caught yet. They couldn't find him. They couldn't track him down. Like he was just hiding out? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. On the night of the broadcast, a woman named Mary arrived to her home in Dallas. When she came inside, her boyfriend, Hank Queen, told her he had to leave soon because his mother was sick. He asked her to make some sandwiches for the trip. She noticed that he was packing several items into a suitcase, and he also tried to distract her from what was on TV. He left a few moments later in his van. Later that night, Mary learned that Hank was actually Dennis, and that he had just been featured on Unsolved Mysteries. So Mary's friend, she immediately called the the telecenter to give him his license plate, his Texas plate, to track him down. And then Louisiana state troopers soon spotted Dennis's van, and they attempted to pull him over. He led them to Mississippi on a 15-mile high-speed chase that broke into two police barricades. Eventually, deputies had fired his back tires out and caused him to come to a stop. 
After firing three shots at the deputies, he turned the gun on himself and committed suicide in his car. What a bitch. What a bitch. But um, I will include it in the show notes as well as we'll post it on our Facebook page. There's a comparison video from like the Jeepers Creepers scenes comparing to Unsolved Mysteries, Hmm. the actual episode. And like, it's pretty spot on, like straight up. And plus, I always love Unsolved Mysteries. Oh my god. Any bit of it. It's my favorite. Plus, like, Netflix dropped their own Unsolved Mysteries on there. If you've already, if you've already, like, binged through, it's Hulu that has, like, all of the Unsolved Mysteries on it. Like, the original. Yeah. So good. I love it. But probably the worst creeper of all was the actual director, Victor Selva himself. Now, there was a lot of controversy in making of Jeepers Creepers 3 because of his own personal movies he had made in the past. Back in 1988, Salva molested a 12-year-old boy while he was directing the movie Clown House. Salva had his victim stay behind for extra rehearsals where he would then abuse this little boy. Salva filmed every molestation encounter that he had with this kid. The boy eventually told his parents about it. I'm not going to go into like super far detail with this, guys. Um, you can do your own research on it. But basically what had happened, his home was raided. And inside was a large amount of child pornography. He was arrested, convicted, and sentenced to three years in prison, of which he was paroled after only serving 15 months. Piece of shit. That's fucking bullshit, dude. Fucking garbage. Three years for that is literally a slap on the wrist, in my opinion. And then only serving 15 months? Yeah, fucking crock of shit is that? Barely a year. Trash. And that was back in 1988. So um, by the time Jeepers Creepers 3 came around, that's when people started to like really pay attention to this and like, Uh, the film industry being involved in child abuse or any sort of like sexual harassment or abuse. So that's why there was a lot of controversy and like holdups with the release of Jeepers Creepers 3, as well as um, some countries actually even banned it because of that and those actions. So if you did ever want to watch Jeepers Creepers, again, any of them, one through three, I would highly recommend not paying for it. Pirate that shit. Mm-hmm. Or do it in some sort of free fashion. Don't let your money go to this person. But anyways, after prison in 1995, he directed a movie called Powder, which is kind of fucking terrible. It's a not that great of a movie, but the movie Powder was actually funded by a Disney subsidiary company, which was rumored to support NAMBLA, which is acronym N-A-M-B-L-A, which stands for North American Man-Boy Love Association. And if you watch that movie or any of the snippets that you can find on YouTube, Creeper Vibes to the Max. And once you know this information, you kind of watch the movies in a different light. Like the fact that the creeper is only interested in boys and just taking what it wants. And also some creepy undertones in the commentary if you do listen to the whole thing while watching the movie and his thoughts while he was making it. It it leaves you feeling very uneasy. So one of the things 
is, it's kind of a fun fact, but also kind of weird. When Justin Long is taking a piss, like in the movie, like Darius, that's actually Justin Long pissing on camera. And Silva actually referenced it as a golden shower in the film commentary. And not to mention that Justin Long, he's like in his early 20s, but Salva like refers to him as a kid, like keeps calling him kids. Weird. Yeah, like it just gives you like an unsettling vibe. And like there's other moments that just rub you the wrong way. So Justin Long's character, he has a weird black rose belly button tattoo, which has no meaning to the movie or semblance or anything. There was rumors that it was like his some sort of like weird sex fantasy fascination that he had and he kind of incorporated into the movie. I don't know. But also, let's talk about like the weird moment where the creeper breaks into their car to sniff his dirty clothes that are in the vehicle. Oh, yeah. Like, that's creep vibes. Super creepy. Don't Uh, like that. mm -mm. Do not like. That's creepy even if a monster's not doing it. Right. And not to mention that the whole entire second movie is just a bus full of high school football players. And, like, there's scenes where they're all, like, tanning with their shirts off, like, on the top of the bus. Like, what does that have to do with the movie? I don't know. A lot of weird vibes. So, just putting that out there. It's definitely going to ruin you forever. There was even more controversy with the plot and the script for Jeepers Creepers 3 in a, a screen test that was released to critics. So... When speaking about one of the characters that was a sexual abuse victim, the script said, can you blame him though? I mean, look at her. The heart wants what it wants. Am I right? When they're talking about this character and like she was underage and like was abused as a child, like it's, it's very fucked. And it ended up being removed from the theatrical cut of the film, but that's what was originally like released. So that's just affirming how much of a piece of shit he was. And when you see like his statements about his past, he's pretty much like unapologetic. He says that he basically like atoned for it and that's it. Like he's past it. Well, now that I made everyone feel uncomfortable, you know what? can bring you back up from all of this. You can check out some of our funny fucking memes that are on Instagram or Facebook. (laughs) Share your own memes or thoughts. Hell yeah. Tell your friends about the Burritai family. And be sure to write us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or rate us on your streaming device. If you can figure out how. If you can figure out how. We're still struggling with that. Do you have anything for the end of this episode? No. I mean, that's pretty much... uh... Okay flatliner i guess yeah i mean i kind of took it all down at the end we had a lot of banter at the beginning to take it down at the end until next wednesday come back get lost in that sauce with us a bye bye now bye bye goodbye bye bye creepers where'd you get those people creepers creepers where'd you get those eyes
And he also has an extra nozzle. Uh, nozzle? A nozzle? For what? <laughs> he's got an extra nozzle. Because he's a resourceful guy. <laughs> you just never know when you're going to need another nozzle. No, he... <clears throat> He has an extra nozzle to smell fear. You said nozzle. Did I say nozzle? Why do I keep wanting to say nozzle? It's a nostril. 